This is Salt Lake Dirt with Kyler Bingham. Uh, we are here to talk about a, a very incredible book I just had the chance to read. It's called My Two and Only, and the author is here with us today. Carla Malden is here. Uh, Carla, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. So I, I love the book. Um, really captivated me from the beginning. Um, so I have a, a, I have a lot of things I want to ask you about it. Uh, I, I guess first, so the book came out in August. Um, maybe you could just tell people a bit about what the book is about uh, and, and kind of how the idea came to you initially. Okay. Well, um, it is not autobiographical. It's not even autofiction. It's entirely fiction. However, if there were a Venn diagram of the lead character, Charlotte's life and my life, the little sliver of overlap in the diagram would be that she's a widow who ends up at the end of the book without giving a spoiler, getting remarried. And I have had that experience. So that's that's the germ of truth from which the <laughs> fiction springs. Um, in terms of sort of theme of what the book is about and, and something that I was dealing with in writing it was I have sort of felt that having having been a widow myself, that society or the, the universe gives you the message. If you're lucky in life, you're treated to a one and only. And then sometimes life deals you a tragedy and you lose that one and only. And then there's sort of a ticking clock on your head. And after a year or two years or some arbitrary finite period of time, you get the message, move on. That's enough. Move on. Get over it. So this is Charlotte's grappling, Charlotte's struggle with trying to reconcile those two forces. So she is she is widowed at the beginning of the book. And in fact, it's um, obviously a traumatic day that she relives and revisits throughout the book and sort of and we don't know if she's embroidering the truth or having different versions of the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden she has really become stuck in defining herself as a widow. It's been 12 years. That is her self-definition. That's her identity. And she suddenly, after all these years, finds herself falling in love. And then she can sort of deal with that. But the inciting incident at the very beginning of the book becomes a marriage proposal. And that just throws her for a loop. She doesn't know what to do with that. So that's that's the spine of the book. Yeah, it's so, it so interesting. And I think one thing that this book made me really think about as I was reading it and then after, you know, the time, the, the few days since up until now, it, it made me think about, and I, I think this especially applies to women. Um, and, and, and tell me your thoughts on this, how like wrapped up a person's identity can be in other people for better or for worse. It's just, our identity is connected to the people around us. And if those relationships they go away for whatever reason, a person can be stuck and kind of like at a loss of like, well, who, who am I exactly now, now that I'm not this? And this could apply to like a career. I, I talked to, I'm a teacher and I have a lot of my friends who, who've retired. And that first year after retirement, 
they're looking forward to it, but then their identity has kind of been dismantled. Like, who, who am I now that I don't have this anymore? And I think that was just such a powerful, that's what I got from it. It was such a powerful uh, example of this, like how a relationship, how it can define you. Um, and it, it just is, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. It just is. But when you come out of that, how challenging that is to redefine yourself and kind of an existential crisis going on. Absolutely. I agree entirely. And I, and I do agree with your initial assessment that I think it's even a little more exaggerated for women. I think, you know, women can't be happy if the people they love are unhappy. I think men have a little bit more of an ability to distance themselves from that. <laughs> but yes, um, and she is stuck in this widowhood and, and defining herself that way, so much so that um, she, she really can't even acknowledge the past. It's, it, the, she, the widowhood and her definition of herself as a widow keeps her connected to her husband. Even though it keeps her connected to a sense of loss and in a state of sort of chronic, if not if no longer acute pain, it keeps her connected to him. So when she falls in love and marriage is proposed again, she wonders, you know, even if just subconsciously, will will what will happen to him? What will happen to Paul, her first husband? Will he, you know, I will will I have to let him go altogether? And in fact, I, I think the book ultimately says thematically, no, you can you can have my two and only simultaneously and you can honor the past while living in the present instead of keeping yourself removed from the present. Yeah. And I mean, the title's great. And then I, I really encourage people to to get this book and read it because um, I'm not going to talk. We can't talk about it. But the ending was like such a satisfying end to a book. I, oh, I, I feel like I haven't felt like a real satisfying end like that in a while. And it just was, it just was great. And it, and it just all clicked and it made me, it just made me think about so many different things, um, you know, about my life now and then, and then what is to come in my life as a, as I age. I, I just thought it was such a beautiful story. Um, I, I wanted to ask, so the, the book is written in third person, but there, there's a couple snippets of first person, which I thought was very cool. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, was it your initial gut reaction to write in the third person, or was there going back and forth how you wanted to approach this narrative? There was a lot of going back and forth, and I'm really gratified to hear you say that because almost up until the last minute when I could still change things, I was still grappling with those little snippets that you refer to that are in the first person. But I, I ultimately thought it was crucial mm -hmm. that we, you know, we, we have the third person account of her life, but then at certain moments, particularly it's when she's reliving that day of her husband's death, we go into first person. Um, and it was, it was just a stylistic choice ultimately. And I decided I just had to sort of commit to it. And I, and I did, and I'm thrilled that it worked for you. Yeah, it, it, it totally did. And I love the little, that, that moment where you do, you're in her head where you're like, you're in her voice. That was such a cool point when I hit that chapter for the first time. I, I just thought that was great. And because you've been at that point when it, when, when that dialogue appears, you've been 
you've gotten to know her, you've gotten to know Charlotte, and you're you're in it with her, and then you go back to that. I just thought it was such a cool um, literary technique that, uh, yeah, no question there. Just a just a really it had me hooked, and I th- I thought it was great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, with a, with a book like this, because you do there's flashbacks and going back and forth. Uh, I'm always interested in 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 craft and technique and and how you how you approach that. When the when the writing started, did you have a lot of this mapped out already, kind of in your mind? Did you outline heavily? Um, how many drafts roughly did it take you to to piece this together? Because I think it, it is. You know, it's a it's a story about you know just a few people really, but there is a complex nature there that seems like it it flowed so well. When, and and I know whenever I read something that flows this well, a lot of work went into that. There's a lot a lot of work and and editing and cutting and deciding one way or the other um, because it seems so effortless as I read it. So I'm really curious about the process and like how long it took you from beginning to end. Um, and just, yeah. So I guess just like outlining or not outlining and, and kind of going through the actual day-to-day process of writing the book. It took me embarrassingly long, (laughs) probably close to four years. Um, either I did it in fits and starts at the beginning and I wish I could say, I had a really good, solid outline. I did not. Um, The book I'm working on right now, I'm really trying to have an outline before I start writing word one. (laughs) I'm trying (laughs) not to fall into that trap again. But I didn't have an outline. I had massive, a file of massive notes that were everything from a line of dialogue that would come to me, to a scene idea, to a theme to an overarching character or plot arc. So I just had these massive notes. And if I'd had it in me, I would have pulled them into an outline first, but I didn't. Uh, So the first draft that I always call the vomit draft Mm -hmm. was a little bit of a mess. And then I sort of outlined after the fact, I guess you could say, you know, Um, because there are multiple sort of storylines. We have the, the, main spine storyline is the romance, but she's dealing with a lot of loss in her life. She has, you know, children who are in their twenties who are sort of, you know, launching their lives. So that's a kind of loss. She she has an aging mother who she's had to put into um, a, a memory care facility. So that's an enormous loss and she's watching her deteriorate day by day. So all of those things I wrote kind of as hunks and then disperse them through the book as it made more sense to bolster the main storyline, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So that's really what I did. And then, yes, I cut a lot. Uh, The main character in the first draft had a sibling who no longer exists. There were, (laughs) so there were, you know, things that I realized didn't serve the story, but they sort of had to come out first. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is messy writing a book from all the people I've talked to. It's not just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna outline this perfectly, and 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 here we go, because you know you're discovering the character, you know, in, in your own way as as you go through this, and it seems like, um, yeah, just the the flashback stuff always has 
interest me when talking to riders just about where to place it, when to start kind of hitting it heavier, uh, because the reader, you know, we, we need to care about the character and it just, it, it just felt so organic this this like flowing of it as as you like let us into her world um and then yeah it it just seems like such a, i don't think that's a long time i've talked to people who have taken 10 years to write a book so i mean it's uh for as complex as it was i mean i think that's pretty good i think the, i think 4 years is <laughs> great but you have so well, you have you. yeah do you have two other two other novels or or do you have more I have uh, two nonfiction, and then I have two other novels, so it's it's five altogether. Okay, so that okay, and, and so the wow. other novels is um, have sort of versions of flashbacks. I think one of the themes I tend to gravitate towards is how people's pasts inform them. So by necessity, yeah. there will be some revisiting of those pasts in the course of telling the story, and it is tricky, and you want it to try to be smooth and graceful and seamless and all those things and it it's it's hard it's hard to work on but it it's it's great when you feel like you've nailed it yeah yeah i i, I bet when um when working so since this is your fifth book um just the approach do you, is it is it totally different each time or does it get a little easier with each book it's different. You know, it's, it, um, I would never call this last one easy. <laughs> um, but I felt like uh, my, my first two, as I said, were nonfiction, then I started writing fiction. So I felt like even though it wasn't necessarily what I would call easier, I felt a little more in control. Mm -hmm. I never felt like it was like getting away from me in the same way that I did with the first time I wrote a novel. And it took a lot more to wrangle that one in. This one, I felt like I, I sort of had my arms around it, even though I was finding my way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Now, so you you have like a, you have a Hollywood background. Um, I, I'm really interested as far as like growing up and in, in, in your family. I'm interested what led you to writing books and not necessarily writing, like jumping into, you know, the the family business, so to speak. Well, I started out writing screenplays. Oh, there you go. Um, there you go. There you go. I started out when I was much younger in um, development, motion picture development, working for producers. Uh, and then I wrote screenplays with my first husband, who, as we said, is now deceased. And um, when he died, I just sort of didn't have the impulse to return to screenplay format. I think in all honesty, part of it was I just didn't have the confidence to do it without him. It was a skill that I knew how to do as part of a team that I knew really, really well and was you know, obviously incredibly comfortable with. So um, I just, I didn't feel like going back to that. And I had written my father's autobiography with him a number of years earlier mm -hmm. and really enjoyed that experience. It's really working on that book was one of the great joys of my life. So that was sort of always in the back of my mind that I might return to prose and really explore that. So then after my husband died, I wrote a memoir called After Image of his last year of life and my first year without him, sort of the transition to being a youngish widow mm -hmm. and 
even though obviously that was an incredibly painful experience, I, I found that I really enjoyed writing prose more than I even had expected, even though that was so tough. Yeah. So then I, um, I was, I was out of my own life to write about. I didn't want, I didn't want to focus on myself anymore. So I wrote, I switched to fiction and, and there I have stayed for the moment. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I have, so I, I did look up your, 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 the two nonfiction books and um, especially with your, well, both of them looked really like fascinating, but I wanted to ask, uh, well, I guess this really applies to both books, and you and you just kind of touched on it right there. So when you're you're writing about something so close to you, um, what made you feel open enough to kind of let that out and let and make this such a public? Like now, people can can read about this. They can read so like closely about your father. They can read closely about you and your your late husband. Um, what gave you the courage? To decide well, my that father's this is book, he came to me. I mean, he had been approached to write his autobiography and had tried for a while to do it on his own and felt unsuccessful in that. So he came to me to do it with him. So that was sort of a, a separate thing. And that was just enormous fun. I you know, would sit with him for two or three hours a day and is sort of part analyst, part, you know, whatever, you know, we'd, he'd tell me a story and then I'd come home and write it up and go back the next day and ask him more questions about it and go deeper and deeper. So that was sort of its own thing. Mm -hmm. And then with my memoir, um, that's a tough question. I don't know what compelled me to do that. It's very <laughs> unlike me. I'm very private. I'm very controlled. <laughs> I don't like to talk about myself. So that was really an aberration and an anomaly. I really don't know. It just, I had kept a journal of the last year from, he was, he was diagnosed with cancer and lived for 11 months. So I kept a journal during that time, really just sort of um, to keep my self on terra firma medically, like to remember all the things I needed to know to be going through this with him. And, you know, we thought, getting him well until he was not going to be getting well. So I just kind of revisited that journal and started writing it up in a more coherent form. And it's sort of a funny little story at, at one point. And then I decided that what was really more interesting was the year after. Yeah. So it became yeah. kind of a book in two parts. And there was a moment um, as to how it became a, a book in my own mind when I wrote a phrase and I'm not going to say what it was, but I wrote a phrase and I kind of went back and read the paragraph and I thought, well, that's just like something you'd read in a book. Mm. <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was really this kind of moment of epiphany, like that reads like a book. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe this is a book. And in that moment, there was sort of a shift. Oh, that's great. And I think well, yeah, and just you talking about it a bit, and when I was reading a little bit about it before we got on this call here, it just seems such an important story to tell because so many other people have gone through this or will be going, will go through this. It seems like a, such a challenging thing. And, you know, you, you read something and like when something, when someone passes away, um, they're ill that's like that's not the end of the story 
that's part of the story. And you have, I think that's just wonderful. You wrote about that tough year because you're so true. Like in, in um, my two and only, how you mentioned, you said it earlier about how, you know, you, your, your marriage has ended, whether it's ended or, or by death or, or divorce. And it's like, okay, there's this like this set time that we impose upon ourselves, like, okay, a year, 18 months, two years. And then I can, you know, and it doesn't work like that. And, and, yeah. and we know, we know that, but we still do that to ourselves. So I think reading something where someone has gone through this, um, you know, everyone, of course, everyone's life is, is different and there's nuance and, and very unique to ourselves. But when you read something that someone has gone through something similar on, on some level, I think it just can create so much, um, healing for the person currently going through it. So I, I'm sure you've helped so many people who've gone through a situation like this. You probably have talked to when the book came out, you probably, um, I would love to talk about that if you don't mind, maybe no, when, absolutely. That, when that book came out. Yeah, that was, I, I, um, as I said, I didn't really even have that in the back of my mind that this could be helpful to other people. And it was just incredibly gratifying what it turned out to be. And I received a lot of letters and I got a letter from a head doctor at the City of Hope, which, you know, is a, a cancer clinic here in the Los Angeles area. Talking, I talked a lot about how the doctors treated us and how doctors say things without thinking about the repercussions of it and how you go home and parse every word. Well, he said, you know, this is not incurable. Is that the same as saying it's curable? I mean, all these kinds of things. If you're a crazy person like me, you just <laughs> swirl around in your head, you know, at three in the morning. So I got this amazing letter from this, one of the chiefs of City of Hope saying he was never going to speak to patients in the same way again, you know, so wow. that was like, wow, <laughs> you know, incredibly gratifying, really thrilling. Um, and yes, with my two and only, I kind of think of my memoir after image and two and only as sort of being um, companion pieces, sort of bookends, mm -hmm. because as I said, my two and only is entirely fiction, but it covers um, some of the same emotional turf, but many, many years down the road, you know, and I've, I've thought a lot about this. And I think with a memoir, you obviously have to be honest. You want to be honest in all of your writing, but you have to be honest. If, if, for example, the doctor said such and such, you're going to say exactly that. And I happen to have a really good memory and I took a lot of notes. So I was entirely honest. And, you know, if, by the way, you touch people, how, how fabulous is that? But with a novel, you're crafting the universe. You're crafting the characters. Um, to serve a truth. You don't have, it, there's a, there's this weird kind of semantic difference between honesty and truth. And a novel lets you kind of aim for a universal truth because you're crafting that world. So I, as I said, they're sort of bookends on a similar topic, but very, very different books. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm now I'm excited to, to read that one now that that sounds Incredible. Um, now, back to my two and only. It came out in August, and I, you know, I I, I talk to a lot of authors, and I feel sometimes, especially because extensive book tours aren't much of a thing really anymore. That you know, there's events and different things, but 
uh, I think it's just so cool when you do get to interact with readers or people who are, maybe they haven't read the book yet, but they're excited to read the book. They know what the book's about, so they want to read about it. So I know you, you've done some events down there uh, in Los Angeles. I, I, I just love hearing about how you know, some of your favorite events or just interactions, you know, if you were in discussion with anyone that you, you know, they asked you a question or Q and a or, or something kind of pops up that you hadn't thought about before. I, I think there's so much rich material there um, doing those kinds of events. I, I would love to hear about, you know, if anything kind of struck you when the, when the book first came out, anything that well, really yes, you're exactly happened. right. in that book tours seem to have kind of in the post pandemic. Yeah fallen by the wayside, which is, is really sad, but I love doing this kind of thing like with you, especially mm-hmm. with someone who's read the book closely, like obviously you have, that's fantastic. And I thank you for that. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been up and down California with this book and that's sort of it. And then, you know, a lot of Zoom sort of events. Most of the people um, at the events have not yet read the book. They're buying the book there. I'm doing a book. I'm starting to do some book clubs now that it's been out for a few months. So oh, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll get more questions there. But people in general, um, you know, my, my hometown crowd, it was, there were a lot of people there who knew me, wanted to know how much of my own experience this reflected. And, you know, I, I answered that as, as best I could in that what I said to you, like, point A, she's a widow, point Z, she remarries. And, you know, and, and then I, I like to say that anything charming either of the men does in the course of the book my my husband takes credit for but i'm not so sure <laughs> about that. um but yeah no it, people are always interested in the writing process i think um how you how you transform small facts of your life into into the book and i know with my two and only um i changed uh the nature of her husband's death obviously as i mentioned my husband had died of cancer but I made her husband die um, in a crazy, random sort of nihilistic universe accident. Because uh, I just wanted, that's what I'm talking about, how you get to create this universe to serve what you want to say. So it was more shocking. I mean, you know, I think the pain is probably the same, but it's a bigger shock. It's sudden. It's like, you know, one second you're in the throes of your normal life and literally the next second your life has been entirely upended. Uh, so, you know, think, things like that, just making the stakes higher, mm-hmm. which is something in all honesty, I struggle with as a writer. That's my, my tough thing. The subtitle of my memoir is called after image is the title. The subtitle is a broken hearted memoir of a charmed life. And I'm the first to admit I've been an extremely fortunate person in so many ways. I've had a really charmed life. I haven't, you know, I had an incredibly warm and loving family growing up. I mean, a lot of the struggles I know that are very common and that most people have some version of, I managed to escape until I was suddenly thrust into the deep end of grief as a middle-aged person. So, um, you know, I, I think that I, I struggle with giving my characters a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's, that's something I've become very aware of that I always know I have to confront. And that's why in my two and only, I kept trying to up the stakes and up the stakes. Yeah. And I think one thing, I, I, 
I felt you captured so well too is is the guilt and and guilt that is um not really you know it, it's not how how do I phrase it like it's not that like the person should feel guilty because I don't want to spoil like how the how the husband passes in this and it was yeah very interesting but and like shocking quick but there's the, this guilt and we replay things in our minds. So death is like the death of a loved one is a big one, but just in anything in life, like, Oh, if I had done this differently, or if I took that street home, or if I left five minutes earlier, like something wouldn't have happened the way it did. Oh, butterfly so, effect thing. Butterfly yeah. effect. Exactly. And so we know on a logical level, if we're not going through that, we know like, no, that you're not to, blame for this. You you should not feel guilty. But when right. we're in that moment as the person, most of us feel that guilt on some level. And I, I feel like there, there was a interesting way. Um, I, I don't know. I just felt like it was so honest and raw how, how it was communicated with Char Charlotte, just because we've all felt that whether it's like small guilt or big guilt, we all feel like regret or whatever. Oh, we should have done this. And it, it, I don't know, I just felt it was such an honest approach to that universal feeling that so many people, if they're decent people, have that feeling where they've, they've experienced that. Um, did, how did you tap into that so well? Well, I think survivor's guilt is, is a pretty universal thing for, for spouses who are left, um, regardless of the circumstances. So I really wanted to explore that with her. Um, and she, as I said, her, her widowhood sort of keeps her connected to the past and to her deceased husband and her guilt does too. It, I mean, you don't do, you don't do something for 12 years unless it's serving a purpose for you, you know? So I think her guilt served the purpose of keeping her connected. And with the whole weird random butterfly effect thing, the way she meets the man that she then falls in love with in the sort of second chapter of her life is equally bizarre yeah. and sort of quirky <laughs> and random. So I did that. Um, I mean, I didn't think about it in the moment, but in analyzing it, I did that because it's sort of a nice flip side of that coin of something awful happens just by this strange little split second quirk of fate. And then something wonderful and joyful happens to her by this in the same split second quirk of fate. So, um, yeah, but the, but the survivor's guilt thing, I think is just a very real phenomenon that I hope most people can relate to on some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, another thing I, I really felt was done well was just like, she's Charlotte's very, she likes her to-do list. She likes to check off her to-do list. She'd even write in something she'd already done. So she could just check it off. So there's satisfaction in that, in and um, feeling in control exactly. of a situation. Right. And the I, book opens with a to do list. Yeah, yeah, and I love that, and I can relate to that so much. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people could relate to that of just feeling that like you feel like you're in control, and you can be to some extent, but a lot of life you are not in control, <laughs> and it's a very scary thing when you can admit that. Um, so there is the, just like the struggle with her where she's trying to, you know, and she's very in control and, and, you know, she's very in control, 
but the outside world is just like could be chaos. And uh, I don't know. I just the, the list making thing I just thought was so interesting. Um, are you are you a list maker? Do you do a lot of check off lists? I've been known to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I've been known to write something down and check it off that I've already done. <laughs> so, yes, uh, even though it's fiction, we take little pieces of ourselves and sure. drop them in there, you know. But yeah, not not quite as extreme as, as she is. And we should say, too, that um, I made her an interior decorator sort of similarly because she can control anywhere she can control an environment. And that's sort of a beautiful example of that, I think. And I thought, you know, here she is someone who can refresh and reinvigorate uh, someone else's house, Mm -hmm. but she's stuck in her own house emotionally, you know? Yeah. And I I love the, the, the other characters that kind of pop up. So like talking about the, uh, you know, the interior decorating, like this prestigious client she gets um, that was kind of like woven throughout Uh, such an interesting character there her her good friend who is her like lives in her neighborhood uh i i don't know i sometimes i find the the secondary characters i don't even like to call them secondary sometimes because they're they're so interesting to me but i i love asking authors the challenges of writing smaller characters who don't have as much space on the page um, you know, and easy is not the right word, but I, like when you have a character who's in throughout the whole book, you can really develop them and, you know, people can, can get invested in that character. But when you have a character who's not in it as much, they're not, a, they're not the main character, the major character, making them real seems like a very difficult challenge to me. Uh, and I thought they were really fun to do. They're I, I great. Loved, I loved them. All of the supporting characters in this book were were really fun. Um, you're right. You, I. It's from Charlotte. Even though it's third person, the book is from Charlotte's point of view. So we go into her. We know what she's thinking. We have a sense of her. We can't do that with the other characters. It's mm-hmm. only how she relates to them and observes them. Um, but yeah, you could. So for for that reason, um, they have to be broader is a misleading word i can't think of a better word but a little more um uh hyper drawn i I can't you know yeah Uh, they're a little less nuanced maybe because they don't get as much screen time you know uh like to use that cinematic metaphor i know the the director kazan used to say psychology no wait sorry acting and directing are turning psychology into behavior Hmm. So with these supporting characters, you, we're not going to see her psychology like we do with Charlotte. I can't go into her head. So I have to turn her, their psychology into dialogue and behavior. Um, so that was great fun. And, and they're all a little, ex- not extreme, but they're vivid, I hope. Yeah. So, yeah, they were really, really fun. Her, and then, as I mentioned, she has this aging mother who starts to lose um, lucidity. Mm-hmm. So she starts to ramble and starts to talk in gibberish now and then. And that um, I have lived a version of that. And that was really, uh, you know, touching for me to mm-hmm. revisit. Yeah, that, you know, my my grandmother is going through something like that now. And it is it is a uh, complex emotions. I see it like in, in my with my 
my mother and that relationship and just how it, it shifted and it's just you know heartbreaking but i, I yeah it, it's just a it, it's very powerful um well on a lighter note i would love to hear about uh books that you're any, anything you've been reading lately that you've really enjoyed i have been on an ann patchett kick Nice. Uh, like like the rest of the world, I read Tom Blake when, when yeah. it came out a month or so, two months ago, and just loved it. And for some reason, I she had fallen through the cracks for me. I read something of hers a long time ago. Um, so then I finished Tom Blake, which I adored, and then I quickly read The Dutch House, which I adored, and now I'm in the middle of Commonwealth. And she's just... I mean, she is such a master craftsperson and talk about being able to jump around in time so effortlessly and so smoothly. Uh, it's, it's, I really admire her enormously. Um, what have I read before then? Um, 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 um. You know, when I was finishing this book, I sort of didn't read for a while. I often, if I'm really in the thick of something, like where I'm writing kind of eight hours a day or or reading through and doing the editing, which can take months, I tend not to read, especially fiction. It's, it's uh, I don't want anything to seep in. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, the last, the last month or two, it's been Ann Patchett all the time. I love that. I haven't read her before. And I, like, she's one that I've meant to. Um, but I love when you... This is one of my favorite things is when you like it's an author you know about, you've heard, you know, you you've heard the name, maybe even read something of theirs in the past, but they have a huge catalog catalog. And you're you, when you read something, it's just such a a level of comfort that it gives me that I have, oh, I have this huge stack of books. Like I can this yeah. is gonna take me forever to get through these if I want to. So it's like an, it's always such a great feeling when you kind of you know the person, but you kind of discover them in a way, and then you have this, it opens up a door to all these different worlds that, you know, it's- I did that not long ago with Jonathan Tropper. Uh-huh. His books, I, I don't know how many books he has, but <laughs> just like one after the other. That's the best, so I love fun. it. Yeah. I love that, I love that, that's incredible. How about uh, TV movies? I just, like I love hearing recommendations, like what people oh my, are watching. I watched a fabulous documentary last night. Mm. Um, we're, we're crazy, uh, non, we've never had COVID in this house and we're trying to keep it that way. <laughs> That's <So> great. <laughs> I normally saw every movie that ever came out in the theater, but we're, we're, we're on the couch these days still for the most part. Yeah. Um, though I did go to see the Barbie movie on the big screen. You got so, it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and loved it. Loved yeah, it. every yeah, minute yeah. of it. Yeah. It's great. But last night we watched, uh, AKA Mr. Chow. The movie, the documentary about Mr. Chow, the restaurateur. Oh. And it's fantastic. Fabulous. Uh, a couple nights ago, we watched the, a documentary about Albert Brooks. Fabulous. Made by Rob Reiner. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that one. That looks yeah, really great. Yeah, both of them really, really fun. Uh, two, you know, very engaging, completely different sorts of characters. Yeah. And what else? I'm looking forward to, well, I think, is it tonight that the... New season of The Crown starts. I Looking think so. forward to that. And what else? Uh, you know, I, I draw the blank everybody draws. Sure. We've been watching, we watch Jeopardy every night in this house. <laughs> I love it. I love that. <laughs> Jeopardy's great. <laughs> every single night. Um, 
and a lot of documentaries. That's how about you? What are you watching? Um, now I'm on the spot. Um, I watched, I, I just covered a film festival in Provo, Utah, (laughs) and it, I worked in Provo, Utah for a couple of weeks. Did you really? Beautiful place, beautiful place. Um, so I saw a lot of, uh, it was a lot of genre films. So there was like some horror. I'm not a big horror person, but I'll, I'll watch anything. But I watched um, a film out of Scotland that it wasn't a horror film necessarily. And it was like a proof of concept film. For, they were, they're trying to make a feature of it. And I have an interview. The film's called Lure. Um, and I had those guys on the show a couple weeks ago. That was one thing that's like, it's really stuck with me. I just felt, I love watching stuff. Um, and I think we all do this, like read stuff, watch stuff that brings us into uh, another world. That's why we do it, I guess. But I, I think especially for me, if it's in it from a different country, that always intrigues me. Because I feel like that really yeah. opens up a door. Like I'm not going to go to most of these places. Like I'll go to a fraction of them if I'm lucky and just a blip of travel. So I think watching international stuff, um, of course, Succession. I know that's been over for a while, but that was one of amazing my one of my favorite, amazing. And um, I just noticed that they have you can buy the screenplays of each season online. So I think I'm going to have to buy those. Oh, that's very cool. That the the episode three of the last season. Uh huh. We won't say anything about in case people haven't. They better it, have but... watched it by now. It's been out. Okay. A while. <laughs> can, we, can we say? We, yes, I the old we, man dies yeah, on yes, the plane. Yeah, we can say. <laughs> One of the most remarkable hours of television I've ever seen in my whole life. I agree. I agree, yeah. and I feel like those screenplays should be studied. So i i want to I want to get them and just like they must be thick. I mean, they're there's thick. so much. They're so dialogue heavy. Yeah, yeah. I saw. It. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy the because each book is its own. Each season is, is its own book. Wow, that's cool. So, that's great. So I'm going to start getting those. And so now, yeah, I'm kind of like, um, I'm kind of, I am i don't like, I'm not a big fan of reality TV, but I, I was having a difficult time. Something at work was happening that was really stressing me out. And my wife was watching The Golden Bachelor and I got sucked into that. So <laughs> I've been watching The Golden Bachelor. I can't the go there. Sorry. That's, I can't go there. <laughs> it's horrible, but... It sucked me in, and I'm like, okay, now I won't be so as so like a hard on you for liking the shows that you well, like. Well, and see, my guilty pleasure, and it's not even so guilty; it's just sweet. Yeah. Is the Great British Baking. Show. I love that show. Yeah, that was another one. You know what's so wonderful is they're so sweet to each they're other. They're so nice. They're, they're so, so nice. lovely and helpful to each other. It makes you feel momentarily good about the world. You it know? does, and another, I think it's the British because there's that other show. I don't know if you've seen it. It's um like portrait portrait artist of the of the year. Have no, I don't know that one. You, you have to look that up. There's a bunch of them. Um, I think it's on Netflix and or Hulu, and then it's also on that free channel Tubi. And they have these incredible artists. Uh, there's a landscape season too, but most of it is portraits. So they they get like um, the British celebrities, and then they sit for portraits. And so the episode is seeing the different artists and their different portraits and, and the same thing. They're so nice to each other. And some of these artists are mind blowing, incredible. And it's such a relax. So I've been watching that at the end of the night. Um, it's just, it's oh, very I would relaxing. love that. Cause I love any of those shows where you sort of see somebody's creative process at work. You it's know, a, it's unreal. And then some of the, some of them are like the, the best one I saw, she was only 
17 or 18 years old, blown away by her art. So, uh, I'll tell me the I'll name send, again. Uh, I think it's just called Portrait Artist of the Year, and there's several okay. seasons of it. So I'll um I'll look it up after we're done here, and see like anyone else who's listening, uh, check that show out. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's so beautiful and it's like it doesn't it's relaxing it's just a relaxing show even to have we it all the really need that right now <laughs> we right <do. laughs> we really do these are dark times we haven't yeah we have enough um um intensity oh and one last show i really liked was um uh, reservation dogs i like that show a lot i don't know if you've oh had the but a dear see. friend my daughter is a film editor a dear friend of hers cuts that show really i love yeah. that show i love that show i thought i thought it was wonderful so um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching, but, <laughs> uh, well, great. Anything else you want to mention? This was a really fun conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking. Fun. thank I, you so much for having me. This was a real delight. Yeah. I loved it. Anything you want to mention about the book, any, any uh, events or social media, um, accounts you want to plug? Well, um, I'm Carla Malden. Just, I think people <laughs> can follow me. Um, any events will be posted there. And oh, I will say that if um, anybody across the country has a book club, I'm happy to zoom into book clubs. Yeah, that sounds really like a lot fun. Of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Excellent. So I'll put links to where people can find you online. Yes, please, and just contact me, and we'll arrange a time, and I'll zoom into your book club. Oh, that sounds like that sounds incredible. Um, any bookstores that you love, and you would love people to buy your book through them. Well, my neighborhood bookstore is Diesel in Brentwood in Los Angeles, and they've been wonderful to me, and I love to support them in any way I can. They also have a branch in Del Mar, California, which is lovely. Great. So that's that's wonderful. my the bookstore in my hood. And that's where you had you had an event there. I had an well, event right? there, and, yeah. and, and I had I had one in the Del Mar one as well. Excellent. So I'll have a link to that as well. Um, Carla, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to reading your other work and I will definitely spread the word about the book club. I think that sounds like a really cool option for people out there. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay. Take care. Mm -hmm.